Hi, it's uh, Shane Williams here. I'm President and CEO of West Red Lake Coal Mines. Uh, West Red Lake is a developer in the Red Lake region of Ontario. We recently took over the Matson mine and we're bringing that back into production. Uh, Shane, lovely uh, to see you. Thanks very much for uh, joining us here. Now, you, you kind of um, picked this up was last year, wasn't it? So you've had a bit of, bit of time to get your feet under the desk and work out what happened before and how you're going to fix it. So, um, Tell us a little bit about yourself first, if you don't mind. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, we haven't spoken before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, my my background is primarily project development and operations. Why I've been doing that for 25 years. I'm not a, a promoter type CEO. I'm more of a guy who's been building and operating mines for the last 25 years. So prior to this, I was with a company we call Skeena Resources, who your viewers will probably know as CO. So I was really there from the early days of advancing that project from the, <clears throat> the developments and buying the deals off Barrick and moving them forward. And before that, I was with a company called El Dorado Gold, who some of your viewers will probably know, and spent a long time working on their Turkish mines, building and operating their Turkish mines, their Greek mines, uh, Scuri's project, which they're advancing. But more applicable to this operation is the Lamac project in Val d'Or, which we ended up buying from Integra Resources, who you probably remember. And we basically took that over and put that into production in an 18-month timeline. And today it's actually operating as one of the best mines in El Rado. So that's kind of what intrigued me about this op opportunity, a sort of a quick restart back into cash flow. That's kind of why I ended up getting in. Brilliant, brilliant. That's a, it's a quick restart getting into, into cash flow if you get it right, because you you kind of walked into a bit of a mess, right? You know, October 20, 2022, this thing, um, you know, care um put in protective protection from creditors. It They got a bunch of stuff. Let me put it nicely. They miscalculated a few things, right? In their case, terminal, and I guess that what we want to get away, get from this, and I'm sure lots of conversations you've had ever since you, you picked this up, is about how do how do you make sure you don't repeat those mistakes? So, you don't if you don't know what's broke, you can't fix. So, so what went wrong in your estimation? Yeah, sometimes these opportunities are good because you get to learn the lessons of past. Unfortunately, for the, some of the shareholders and some of the management, really, and um, yeah, what we really saw when we went in, uh, Matthew is. We went in, we put a team together, it moved very quickly. You know, it was in the CCAA process. Sprott were the main lender. They were starting the process. Uh, Frank Juicer, obviously, who's our main shareholder, who is a lot of successful in building resource companies. We quickly put together a team. I went down with a team and we did our DD very quickly. And what we quickly saw really was there was a bit of a difference between the management approach to the project and the ore body itself. And it all kind of got mixed up in the one, you know, at one stage it was the more hated asset in Canada because of the issues, because of the shareholders, a lot of people lost a lot of money on it. And however, we saw that as an opportunity, really. And when we went under and saw the deep dive of that, the ore body, look, they did get a few things wrong. Look, they took on a lot of debt. You know, there was a lot of debt on the project. They ended up taking on $150 million worth of debt from Sprout Resource Lending. And, and, and that had a lot of confidence that were not really flexible in a way. And one of them really was they needed to be in production by a certain date. And that really drove them on their approach to developing a mine. As you and your viewers will know, 
mining can be up and down. There can be a lot of challenges. It takes its time. It takes effort. And so having that, how would I say, over their heads, really, to force them into production, they made a lot of decisions, which, you know, in the, in the hindsight, weren't the best decisions to move this project along. I'll give you an example, which is part of one of the reasons. They leased everything. They never put the capital into the mine that's needed in an underground mine. As an example, the primary crusher, which is a key part of any underground mine, was leased. It was a leased piece of equipment. All their equipment was leased. They had no camp in place. You know, everything was really, and I know they were out there raising money and they raised money, but unfortunately, they they pushed everything to OPEX. So, you know, one of the things we saw was this they never really intended to operate this mine, unfortunately. We saw that they were setting this up. The group that was there was, um, it's the Oxygen Capital Group, who some people will know. They've, they've brought a lot of mines forward and sold mines, but they haven't actually put a mine into production or operated a mine or built a company. And that makes a big difference. And you, you would probably notice and your viewers it's a different skill set of early exploration, promotion, and actually building, constructing, and operating a mine. And that was me. That was a key thing that I saw. They made a lot of poor management choices. They brought in some people who were not the best, didn't understand what they were doing. They went into a part of the ore body, and, and some of your viewers might remember there was an area called the McVeigh Zone, which is where they did their primary mining at the start. It was a very it's more complex geologically than the other parts of the ore body. However, it's closer to surface. It's easier to get at. It needs less development. It's, it could be drilled from surface. So from a, you know, from an, you're trying to show the market that you're in production, you're getting there quick. It's an easy one to get at. You know, it's easy to get at. It's easy to go for. It's easy to show the market. Yep. We're in production. We're working. Everything is good. And, you know, that was the approach. And, you know, look, I, they're not the only ones and first ones ever to done that. You know, lots of other companies have tried to do that. Unfortunately, these systems in Red Lake are very deep and they're high grade, but they're very veiny and they're very complex and they need a lot of drilling and they need a lot of complex, detailed, fine drilling. And that was never done. And so if I look at the main technical issue that was done, that was it really. In my mind, we saw that. They just didn't spend the time and effort in the drilling underground. Yeah, and I think, obviously, we were talking about it before the show started, the, the report we did, you know, um, running through some of the issues which which happened. I mean, that that's obviously a massive one. Um, there were a lot more, I think, things other than just just the, the money and the, and the you, you know, for instance, like the, the, the run of mine grade was much lower than, than expected. Um, the cutoff grades... The, you know, the, the list the list kind of went on a bit, and it just smack of what you just said of someone who's perhaps never built a mine before. And, well, and also showing- comes back to that. Sorry to jump in. It also comes back to that geological understanding because they had one understanding in geology of how the ore body worked, and when they went underground, they went, "Oh, it doesn't work like this." So when you're underground developing slopes and mining, you're kind of hitting ore. And you're hitting waste. If you don't have good controls, you're hitting ore, hitting waste. Hence, dilution increases. Hence, mining efficiency helps costs and the grade gets lower. So it's kind of a, a build on from them. And look, they also had challenges with getting people, the right sort of people. They didn't have proper management support on the ground. They didn't have that. So all of those challenges kind of contributed to that. You know. Right. Okay. So... Like I say, this isn't an exercise of what the hell went wrong. Um, it's an exercise of, you know, how do we, 
how do we succeed from this? How do we win win from this situation here? So, um, and we'll we'll get on to you know your your money raising, your your drilling, etc., and your plan more importantly. But just just one other thing, I want to make sure um, I understand in terms of the what you bought or what what you now own. Did you inherit? any liabilities, financial or otherwise, in terms of things that you must do, things that you must uh, pay for? Yeah, look, the deal shows have been in June of last year, really. And and so, look, as, on a pure valuation point of view, you know, PureGold spent $350 million on this project. You know, we picked it up for $6.5 million effectively and some shares. We converted Sprott. Sprott had a large outstanding debt on the project. We converted that debt into equity. So from a pure balance sheet perspective of West Ray Lake going forward, we have no debt on the books. However, right. when we picked up the asset, unfortunately, there was a lot of suppliers who were left in the lurch. There were suppliers, there was people, there was a lot of issues to sort out. So we, we sorted those out. We, as West Ray Lake, inherited those, you know, Unfortunately, no suppliers would give us credit. Everybody, it was owed money. And we had to work through those issues with the suppliers. You know, there was bad, bad reputation of, of unfortunately, in the town, in the area from that, from that issue. So most of those are behind us now. We've, we've paid off all suppliers. We're back working on the ground. We've hired on all new people. Everybody got terminated. You know, so we're back into good mode. We're like, we have a hundred people on site now working, you know, developing underground so we're back to back all has been kind of cleaned up as i would say right so you you walked into a case where you've inherited 350 million bucks worth of spend some of it well spent and some of it not so much so um let's 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 talk about you know the the decision making over the next few um, months if not if not years okay so we talked about you know chosen mining methods. We talked about run of mine and, and dilution and, and cutoff grade and all of this sort of thing. Your your way of getting around all those things and getting to a point where you can make a an intelligent decision about the, the best strategy is what drill more, understand the ore body better. Is that it? Yeah, fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. You know, before you can start to look at mining methods, how you're going to extract, how, what rates. We really need to understand the ore body. And this is one area that they actually, this unfortunately spent a lot of money, but they spent it in the wrong place. Unfortunately, the surface facilities are great. Everything is done there, but the underground lacked capital investment, in my opinion. And a lot of these undergrounds are deep. And so you need the development and you need development ahead and you need drilling. And that really wasn't done to the level that should be for these mines. So we're going to spend the next 12 to 15 months, take our time, go underground, do all the development, set up the drill stations, and really drill about another 50,000 meters of underground drilling, which is very tightly spaced drilling, six to eight meter drilling, very mine design level, production level drilling. And that's what really needed to be done prior to restart. And that's, you know, that's a plan. Actually, that's a plan that, they knew they needed to do really. Other people had told them, Sprott had told them, you know, some advisors had told them, but you know, at that time they were in, they were moving forward to market. They were a hot stock. They got to a billion dollars. They were nearly there. They, they just, they couldn't do it at the time for whatever reason, you know, it's continually surprises. Yeah. But anyway, there we go. Um, Right, with regards to um, the, the drilling that you're, well, you just, you've just announced twenty million uh, bucks that you're about yeah, to go out yeah. and raise in the market, basically, you know, and we'll we'll see. 
Well, so how quickly do you need that to close? I mean, you're, you're good for money in the bank. No, oh, we're good for money in the bank. We're good for money yeah. in the bank. The, the right. idea is, as you know, your views are not the markets are not great at the moment. And so no. we want to take those opportunities as we can. And we've we've put out a form of a gold note structure, which is less di dilutive to the market versus an equity risk. So we're trying to get that over and get that done. So, But we have good money in the kitty. We have enough money to advance our project. Right. And so tell us more about the gold note, just in terms, because we, we've heard lots of different alternative financing being done in the market so at, the, at the moment. And obviously dilution is a big concern, especially when you're probably not yeah. values where you think you need to be uh, and off the back of what, what, what we're talking about. So we'll, how does this note work? Well, a gold note structure is like a fixed debenture, effectively, but paid back in gold, really. And it's paid at an interest rate. However, the kicker is that there's a floor price set in of, of $1,800 gold. And any gold upside, the investor gets, really. And that's kind of how it works. It's a 12% interest rate paid over seven or eight years and at a gold price of 1800 floor. So if you believe in gold and you believe in the future... It's quite a good piece of paper, you know. Even at today's gold price, it's it's yielding about fifteen percent, you know. And so we have warrants included as well. So it's quite a good return for investors as a piece of paper. Uh, but more importantly, for investors in the company, it's not very dilutive sort of a structure. It's at least only it's seventy percent less dilutive than doing an equity raise. Right, and so given the nature of it, that, that's going to be sort of institutional focus, right? So yeah, retail, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, mainly yeah, and institutional, high net worth people as well love this sort of structure because it's a play on the gold price. So they're the two main funds we're we're, we're looking at. Yeah, okay. Structured finance in a difficult market, um, you, you got to do what you got to do, right? So, and in terms of what that's going to allow you to do, you talk, you sort of laid out this sort of you know fifteen, eighteen months worth of of drilling to get you the information that you need to make a bit, bit more of an informed decision about how you actually go about mining this. So it's it's it's, it's underground. We've talked lo yeah, lots of yeah. times about you. underground mining. You're going to need four grams per ton minimum. So when do when do you start making decisions about you know cut of grays and and sort of the economics around this? Yeah. So we've just kicked off a pre feasibility study. One of the challenges of the last structure you probably your users or you might remember is they did a study with a company called JDS. Um, a final study and unfortunately it wasn't to the level that I, I would say is good and we I, I looked at it there was a lot of flaws in it and that needed to be addressed so we've decided to take the conservative approach after this drilling step back and redo that study with a different group so reset the bar really on, on the project well talk, talk, talk to me about the importance of this I think it's really important for people looking in and understand why it's important to you and why it should be important to them. Obviously, we, you know, we did a similar sort of similar sort of commentary with regards to JDS. Sometimes groups, these these consultants are incentivized to pretty much say what the company wants them to say. So why have you got to go for good quality consultants uh, and why should the market care? Who well, does it? Yeah, well, well, it was a couple of trades for me that you might have seen, Matthew. SRK did all the preliminary work on the project. They did all the resource, they did all the resource work. However, they, they left SRK to go to JDS, you know, at the light time. And it's very rare that that happens. You usually have one group who owned the project all the way through. It's very important to have that in quality. And so, and also during that time, there was a couple of different resource updates. So that all gives me red flags about there was a lot of movement of consultants and 
sometimes groups who don't get what they want, they go to a different group and the group gives them the right answer, if you know what I mean. So it's very important for investors and people to really deep dive and see the trail of events and understand that you have good consultants with good reputation doing those studies. You know, and unfortunately, JDS, I don't know your viewers might not, they have a bit of a, you know, they've done a couple of studies and they've had some issues with those studies. So, but you know, that's what we saw very clearly that it wasn't up. And for me as a coming in my background, I wanted to kind of really own the project again and be involved and make sure I have ownership of the decisions that are made. So that's why we wanted to step back and reset the bar really as we go forward. Well, I said, I don't think this project can afford any, any missteps, yeah. can it? You're, you're under a spotlight here, not because of what you've done, but, but, but because of what's gone before. But and if, if so, when, so that process will take how long? And how much money yeah. is it, will it cost to actually be able to deliver that? And, and yeah, the, the feasibility will be done by the end of the year. Pre-feasibility we're going to do by the end of the year. The money that we have now, we will 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 get us the majority of that way just to get the, the study out of it. But we will need to go and raise further money on the project as, to get us fully into production. Right. Okay. So, and, and, and again, it's just is this part educating the audience and, and perhaps you know maybe even a new, new audience to to the to the company, which is around what you will be aiming for. Because like before, you know, I think JDS they 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 had a cutoff of about four point seven five something like that. Great, but they didn't quite get you know didn't didn't yeah. quite that didn't eventuate. eventuate. So in, in terms of you know what you think is going to be important to be able to demonstrate to the market come the end of the year? What, what are the things that we should be looking at? You may not have the numbers yet, but what should we be looking at? Yeah, I think, look, I think as the market is watching us, the drill results we get over the next few months will give an indication of the, the, the new areas of the ore body, you know, and the, and the continuity of that ore body. Where they went in was some area that lack of continuity. And once people can see that, then we the mind design is very important, getting that right. And I would suspect a, a lower cutoff is better, just giving the, the nature of the ore body, giving the, the complexity, and also the size of the way they were going to mine. They were going to do very high production mining, very big stops, very big tonnages. And unfortunately, in Red Lake, that's not the ideal way to mine. The, the vein, it's very, you need to be selective. You need to tailor your mind to the ore body. There's a saying, you need to have build a mine around the ore body, not the other way around. So you need to have selective mining methods. You need to be able to make sure your grade is getting in there. You need to have all that selectivity. And unfortunately, because of that, you, you might not get the tons you desire and the production, but it's more important to get the ounces, in my opinion, and scale up the project, go slowly. You can always upgrade and up upscale the project but i think we need to start off slow start going and build from there right so how how again how do you communicate to the marketplace because i think you've got you kind of got you know a decent uh, representation on the board of people who get access to institutional money but there's also still kind of big kind of reach out component which is going to be important to you in terms of that liquidity and trading and so forth and companies like yourselves do like to report big high-grade numbers in the headlines um, because that's the sexy bit. That's the sex and the sizzle. But the reality is how it all kind of comes together, and you know, and how you kind of mo model out not just the the, the job program, but the the ore body itself. So, 
slide aside, you know, one CEO describe a, a, a company in a similar position to you where it's kind of got a lot of high grade, thin, narrow vein type stuff. He said, like, if you can imagine those veins as carrots, it's like taking a bag of carrots up in a helicopter at a thousand feet and dropping it on an ice rink. That's, that's how hard it is to kind of piece together the, the, the gold in an economic sense. So for you, that, that journey of piecing it together, you described the way you're going to you're going to come at it, but can you talk to me about the way that you're going to report the drill results going forward in the news releases? Yeah, so you know the key is for any of this, for any of your viewers, actually, you know, everyone loves to promote the high grade, the high grade thing. It's more for us on the the wits. The wits are very important of the of the high grade hits because you can have a 400 gram high grade hit if it's point one meters. By two meters, it means nothing. So it's very important for viewers to understand the the width, the mineable width. You know, typically underground mining stopes are two to four meters wide, sort of mineable. You know that sort of range, and so you want to be seeing these high grade hits with good mineable distances of those sort of seventy eight grams. That's kind of what you you would build a picture up as you get that, because when you can put all them together, then you can build a mine plan around it. But as you said, carrots on an ice rink, you can't really pull together. And it cut, particularly in underground mining, it takes a lot of work to get to each different carrot, a lot of costs, a lot of development, a lot of ore to move, a lot of waste to move. And that becomes very challenging. So it needs to all hang together and drilling and definition and mine planning are the key to that. So the mineable wits are key. Right. Okay. And, and I think you've sort of touched, well, you've certainly intimated this. And, you know, we always like to sort of look at the sort of in-cut cost input cost parameters, right? In terms of when you're putting this pre-fees together, making sure you kind of got real world uh, comps. And especially like during this time, you know, this obviously Pure Gold uh, previously was in the early stages of, you know, COVID and some of the the, the, the difficulties that that provide. We've kind of run through COVID and, and hopefully I think out the other side now, except on the cost basis, right? We've got a lot of CEOs talking to us and saying, Look, there's a new reality, cost reality out there. People must expect a higher ASIC and higher, higher costs associated with this. You've got a slight advantage in the fact that you pay six and a half million bucks for this thing. Uh, that helps. But are you kind of conscious of those input cost parameters and you know, and what what, it, what are you looking to try and control or understand better? Yeah, look, I mean, all you have to do is look at the quarterly results and the yearly results that are out now. You know, a thousand is no longer the AISC. Most of them are pushing up towards 1200, 1300 AISC of, of the mines. And look, there's a lot of, but we're in Ontario. There's a lot of mining going on in Ontario. A lot of big Agnico, big companies with mines in the region and all doing successful. So there's good benchmarks for us to, to look at the costs. Labor is, probably 60% of the cost in our mining operation. So that's pretty much fixed. It's a it's a standard labor rate, you know, so that's it. I think the key area will be the consumables, you know, drills, bits, consumables, chemicals, and they are moving up. We are seeing that. And in reality, they haven't really come back down. They went up during COVID and the supply chains, but we haven't seen them come back down. And the other advantage we have is because we're now under developing, we have 100 people on site, we're dewatering, we have actual costs. We have actual real costs. You know, we have 
we know how much it costs for power, fuel, electricity. You know, they're actual costs that will go into our studies. It won't be like a, a green field where you do a study, pull in a lot of assumptions and go, well, this is what we think it will be. We're actually, we have 100 people on site today working. We have equipment, we're drilling, we're blasting, we're building chemicals, we're water treatment. They're actual costs on the ground that we will use as a basis for our study. So you're really getting a much higher level of confidence of a study. You're getting actual costs, actually, into the study. Right, okay. I mean, you're painting a picture of um, you know, someone who's you know, real, realistic about you know yeah. the world out there. This is not a case of, this is a golden goose, which is going to just, you know... You know, deliver money for everyone and all, all concerned. This is a mine which we're going to get back into production, and we're going to do it economically. Mining's hard; little fires bring, need to be put out every day, but we've got a plan. Yeah. That, that's what it feels like yeah. uh, to me. Exactly. Well, as, as your viewers would know, there's not much golden goose in mining. It's a tough slog to build a, a mining project. You know, it takes time. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes effort. But, and you need to do it right. There's no, look, I've been doing this for 25 years. Today, it takes seven to 10 years to build a mine into production. You know, Pure Gold have been through a number of years. We're kind of taking it and we're getting the last elements. Actually, your viewers, in the last six months before they got into production, they actually began to turn things around. We saw that. We have the production records. They brought in some good people at the end. They brought in a few people who knew what they were doing, they just began to turn it around. So that gave us hope that it was possible and they were there. Um, but again, our our reality is, let's do this realistically. The market has a lot of skepticism around this asset, as you know, and we've got to prove and demonstrate to the market we're not looking for a massive, you know, tier one operation. We're right, let's get into production. Let's do it consistently. Let's get a base going and build from there. That's kind of the model we're trying to achieve. Right, and, and and I think it's a good point that you make about the the kind of debt that was taken on board, and perhaps the the leasing component, yeah. has, you know, played a big 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 part of that. And we we've seen you know Wiley and Mincor, we sort of the banker is involved with that debt. The, the structuring of the deal at the beginning is so important; otherwise, it, it creates a huge negative um, the hangover on the company. And oh, you know, I guess the question comes is with this. Why weren't Sprott willing to have a negotiation with, with with that team? Why, you know, why are they doing it with you after the event? Well, and, but I and guess we'll never know. We'll never know. I'm we, not going to. not going to push you. We'll never really know. We'll never really know why that came about. But, but I, I, I will say, you know, I will say that that, and this is your viewers will know. You know, dead in an early stage development project anywhere in the world is is Nightmare. risky. Is risky because, you know, projects developing projects is tough. You have permitting challenges, you've um, capital overruns, you've risk, you've inflation, you've people issues, you know, you've construction risk. And all that doesn't really suit a debt profile structure because it's all uncertainty and debt is about certainty. So the two of them don't really match well. So, you know, our plan is to avoid debt on this as, as long as possible to kind of do it. Unfortunately, we have to do equity, which obviously is a balance to that. But I would much rather do that and take on debt again because otherwise our investors would go, hey, they failed because of debt. Why are you doing exactly the same? And we need to show we're doing it different. Well, look, Shane, there's a, there's a nice uh, reintroduction. There's fairly high-level stuff yeah. today and I'd yeah. love to get into the weeds with you um, a bit more with a bit more of a technical conversation um, next time around. Um, but appreciate your time today. Uh, we'll hopefully bump into you at, at, at PDAC, um, looking busy out there. Um 
and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank you.